are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday. We're going to do a slightly different show. First and foremost, we're going to take a quick look at the ESPN rankings of the top 100 players in the NBA. We've seen three Pelicans on there, or at least three I want to focus focus on and talk about them kind of quickly. I think this is not the best exercise, but it's worth discussing. And then because I've gotten this question a lot and I do an episode like this almost every single year, it seemed like a good time to do this one. And it was basically, how did I end up hosting the show and my story of getting into sports media? So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. All right, so let's start with the rankings. These get people fired up every year. And honestly, this is kind of like one of the worst times of the year to be on Twitter with people arguing over these things that, you know, it it doesn't take a lot into account. And they tried to do it, I guess, somewhat scientifically. Would you take this player or that player? And you can kind of do it from there. But still, you know, ranking guys in terms of one through 100, I think is a fool's errand. It's kind of better to do tiers of players as just general groups, I think. But hey, whatever. It's not what ESPN did. And so what they did do is put Lonzo Ball at 54. He's ahead of a guy like D'Angelo Russell, a number of other names on the, you know, on that list. And it's interesting to see him kind of ranked that highly. I, I probably wouldn't put him there, but this maybe kind of builds in an expected improvement from him. And as uh, ESPN's Andrew Lopez, friend of the show, talks about, you know, which version of ball are you getting? 13.8 points, 8.1 assists, and 7.2 rebounds while shooting 41% from deep, or the one in the bubble of 7.16.65.0 while shooting 28.1%. If you do get that first Lonzo ball, again, he's not a playmaker. That's fine. He doesn't have to be a playmaker for other. Connector is a really good word to describe him with. Having that type of player who shoots 41% from deep and can still get people the ball is a useful player to have on the court. So this isn't a knock on him being like, hey, he sucks. You know, that guy could be the 54th, 55th best player in the league, I think. But he's, you know, got to show it for a whole season before I start to buy into that. Again, I don't really like, you know, diving into this too much. What I think is kind of interesting on some of it is where they rank a guy like Brandon Ingram. And I think it's probably about right. Brandon Ingram with his breakout year last year, he gets ranked at 28th. Now they're using projected real plus minus, so a model and all of that. And we, we don't need to get into that sort of stuff. But we sh- we saw that Brandon Ingram was a three-level score at the rim mid-range from deep last year. He can be a bit of a creator too, and he's likely going to step into a much larger role this season without Drew Holiday. And I would not see some point forward from him. So with that, I do think this is a guy who's probably a top 30 player. You know, I don't know if I put him over these really established guys. CJ McCollum, for example, is right ahead of him at 27. McCollum has done it for multiple, multiple years. We've seen it really from Brandon Ingram for one year. Now, if he does it for a second straight year and kind of puts up the numbers that he put up last season, he is 
easily going to start pushing for a top 20 spot if that's the case. But I think some of this bakes in a lot of consistency that some of these guys have already had. But Brandon Ingram doing a second straight season of 24, 6, and 4 while shooting 39% from 3 and 46% overall from the field is definitely going to push to be a top 20 player, particularly if he makes strides on defense like we are hopeful to see from him, like the team is going to be pushing him to do. And if he starts becoming more of that creator uh, increasing that assist number and if he does all of that easily this will end up being a low ranking but because he's only got it for one year I don't think you're going to see him kind of get the benefit of the doubt a guy who is getting the benefit of the doubt though is Zion Williamson in this he comes in at number 19 that strikes me as pretty high for a guy that played 24 games last year he's ahead of Paul George he's ahead of Jamal Murray He's ahead of Bradley Beal, of Carl Anthony Towns, of Pascal Siakam, of Kyrie Irving, um, and on and on and on. He's ahead of John Morant, which I think is kind of the important one, maybe. I, it's high, but I think this kind of gives him a bit of a benefit of the doubt. Maybe he doesn't deserve it, but he did put up 23, 6, and 2 assists per game last season while shooting 58% from the field um, and being competent enough on limited attempts from deep, shooting 43%. And now the Pelicans are going to use him even more. His role is going to expand even more. He's healthy. He's in shape, according to J.J. Redick on J.J. Redick's latest podcast, Old Man in the Three. That is a lethal player in the NBA. That is a top 20 guy in the NBA, especially when you factor in how defense is key on him. And he warps them and he wraps them and creates for others in ways that he doesn't even need to have the ball in his hands to do. When you double team him off ball... Yeah, that's a guy who impacts a game like that and, you know, probably not top 20 worthy, probably should be in the top 30, I think, but I'll take it. It's kind of cool to see. And then we still see people complaining about all of this stuff with um, uh, the Pelicans and Zion getting all of this hype. He's a popular player that has shown tons of potential. I don't think this is necessarily shocking to see, but you know what? He is getting the benefit of the doubt that other guys aren't. So coming up in a minute, going to tell you all my story of how I ended up here hosting Locked On Pelicans, maybe offer some advice. I've gotten this question a lot recently uh, when people DM me that I try and respond. So we'll, we'll lay it out here where sometimes it's a little bit easier than trying to type it all out to people. So my story coming up here in just a second. So I get a question a lot uh, on Twitter and in my DMs. They're open. And I don't, I, you know, people shoot me questions all the time about pals, other things. I appreciate people taking the time. So I do try and respond pretty much to everyone unless it's some sort of weird message. And one of the questions I get a lot is, and I was asked this on a podcast the other day too that I went on over in um, the UK actually, of like, how did you end up hosting Locked on Pelicans? How did you end up being, you know, credential member of the media, of uh, being on the radio a lot at times on TV with WDSU and others as well um and then doing some actual work for the pelicans don't forget you guys saw me on their actual pregame show before one of the bubble games this season and it's cool to be able to do that people have somehow taken me seriously but how did i end up in the spot where people do somehow take me seriously and i think it's an interesting story people want to work in sports media. They want to host a podcast like this. They want to write and kind of be known as being that smart, you know, uh, person who covers the Pelicans. It's not necessarily an easy path. And honestly, my best piece of advice for this would be don't, don't do it. But if you want to try and emulate my, you know, I don't know if there's a right way or wrong way to go about it. So let me, let me start at the beginning. So 
I have always had another job while I've done Pelicans media stuff. I worked in finance. I work as a fundraiser right now. Um, I've never not had a full-time job doing other things. In some cases, I've had other jobs too. I do a lot of work in the film industry and that takes up a chunk of my time as well. I like working, I like staying busy. This has never been a full-time gig for me. People think it's a full-time gig and most people I meet that don't know me assume that it is a full-time job doing this podcast and the media coverage that I provide. It is not and that is important to keep in mind. Part of the reason I've never gotten into it full-time, there have been times when I've, I've, I've inquired and talked to people about it. There's been, there have been times when people asked me about working full-time for them in various places here in New Orleans. It's just not necessarily the safest industry as we've seen. Look what happened to our good friend, Andrew Lopez of um, ESPN, who's there now and landed on his feet well. But after the Times-Picayune merged, uh, was bought out by The Advocate, he was out of a job for a while. Um, as someone whose family got hit hard by the Great Recession back in 2008, that kind of stability is important for me. And this industry and this type of work does not provide that. So I had a job out of college and I was making, you know, my first job with a salary, making, you know, money for the first time, really. And one of the things I wanted to spend that money that I had on, and this is back in 2010, was Pelicans or then Hornets, Pelicans season tickets. Grew up in Los Angeles, big time Laker fan, just always loved the NBA and basketball. Now I have money to go to every single game. This is really cool. So I bought season tickets. And in 2010, this is right around when Twitter started getting big and popular and that blog culture around the NBA really started to rise up. So I created a Twitter account. I followed a bunch of, you know, the people over then at Hornets 24 seven, um, before it was the bird rides, it was at the hive. Yes. And so on and so forth. You know, the, the named bloggers that you would kind of read about and see, and you know, at the time Hornets 24 seven was associated with ESPN and the true hoop network, which is kind of at the forefront of all this. So I wanted to do that. I thought one day just to decided I know the game enough. I actually have a good writing background from studying it in college a lot. I'm good at communicating ideas. I should do this. And so I reached out to the site was called swarminsting.com. It's now the fan sided uh, Pelicans thing. So Pelican debrief maybe, um, which was run by one dude, only one guy writing for it and clearly needed some help. And I offered to basically work for free. I said, Hey, can I write for the site? I'm smart. He said, send me an article. Uh, James Grayson, shout out if you listen. Um, and said, send me an article and, you know, I'll see if, if this is good. And if it is, yeah, like come on board and let's, let's have you write some stuff. It was all free, nothing paid, anything like that really whatsoever, but I wanted to do it. It was something I was passionate about. I liked basketball. I enjoyed doing it. So I started doing it just as kind of a hobby more than anything. And I had no real dreams of trying to make it a full-time thing or even really make money off of it. I just figured I'd have some fun doing this and I enjoyed it. And I did. And after about a year there at Swarm and Sting, um, Hornets 24-7 was looking to add writers. That was the, you know, the, probably the biggest blog at the time uh, with it all. And they wanted to add some more people in. They pulled me. They pulled James. They pulled Mason Ginsburg. We all started there at the same time, basically writing for that site. To be affiliated with ESPN was really cool, even if it was more tangential than directly working for them. And it was cool to kind of feel like an insider doing this kind of work. And people listened to me. You know, at the time when I was coming up doing this, these blogs were really just starting out and finding their footing. And you didn't have coverage of basketball, of the NBA like that at the time. Look, we know how bad NOLA.com and the times Picayune was, they're good now, about covering the NBA here in the city. It was terrible. So those blogs really came about and became popular almost out of necessity for just quality basketball coverage, which people weren't getting elsewhere. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been so successful with it. Coming up at the right time, putting out good enough work that people took me seriously enough and you kind of establish your voice and I've kind of been there ever since. I, you know, left, uh, we rebranded a bourbon street shops was basically the main writer for that for a number of years left there basically to kind of focus on this more than anything else. And so when this podcast came up, Brett Dawson originally hosted it of NOLA.com of the, of the ad or of the advocate. He left, they needed a host. You know, I was an established name that had done some podcasts. I was a regular uh, person on radio. Clearly I know how to talk about the game, communicate ideas and, was just kind of a natural fit. Asked me if I want to do it. And I said, yes, and hopped on board. And at the time, well, we'll get into locked on stuff here in just a second. Let me, let's take a break here, hit a reset. And we'll do that coming up here in just a moment. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team, told some behind-the-scenes stories, really. I'm telling you my story today. We've got the first game coming up on Monday, preseason game. We'll have a preview of that on Monday, obviously. We'll break down some of the scrimmage and things like that, too. So a lot coming, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Also, do me a favor. It takes like three seconds to do. Leave a five-star review with a comment. Lonzo fans have gotten a little bit upset, kind of left a bad review. Uh, help me out here and throw another couple of five-star reviews in there. It takes like 30 seconds. I don't ask for much, and it actually helps a whole lot more than you realize. So subscribe and leave a five-star review with a comment. So that's kind of how I ended up here at Locked On Pelicans. Basically started writing for free and have kind of, for a number of years, did it for free. Even at Bourbon Street Shots, no one really got paid anything from that. And it was more about just doing this as a hobby than anything else. A lot of the people that you, whose work you really appreciate, the bloggers, aren't making this a full-time thing and it's more kind of a labor of love, which means give them a little bit of slack here and there. So I ended up here at Locked On kind of taking a chance on this network um, early on. And, you know, you, this is going to kind of tie into some of the advice I give you and sort of more about my situation. In the beginning, I think the first month I ever did this, I got paid like eight bucks. It was probably like 20 shows and it was like $8 total, not per show total. Now the show does better. And... Um, you know, it was, I kind of saw the vision for this and where it could go, the daily show, the network and leveraging all of that and belief in the people who are running it. Uh, David Locke of the Utah jazz, the radio voice for there. And this has grown massively. And so a lot of my luck and being where I am, and this is probably true for very many industries is timing, getting in at the right time on certain things. If I wanted to start out writing about the team today and to kind of get to the point where I am currently, it'd be so much harder than when I'd started doing this 10 years ago when it was kind of the wild west of Twitter and NBA sports blogs and no one knew who to really listen to or who to read and you could establish your voice. And also there was a gaping void for that kind of coverage because the local newspaper, the local big sports sites did not put forth the kind of content that people want to see. Now, if you go to NOLA.com and read an article by Christian Clark, you're going to get a lot of statistical analysis, analytics, along with film breakdown, different things like that, and not just gamers, not just a recap of what happened the night before. You're getting a lot more insight than was ever av available to you through those means. And it means people like me and others, it's just tough to kind of you know get your voice out there. So that's how kind of I ended up where I am. And then same thing with the podcast, realized that there was really a lot of room for growth in this space and it getting in early and establishing the show. And look, it's the number one Pelicans podcast out there. Can tell that by ratings, can tell that by listens, all of that stuff. And that's thanks to you all um, for tuning in every day. But I don't think you'd be here if I was terrible. 
And so getting in at the right time with that and consistent growth and building it led to the show being where it is today. It's, it's taken a while to kind of be as successful doing this as maybe I would have liked. I didn't think it would have taken, you know, years and years and years and years and years if it was ever going to be that. So advice to people who want to kind of do this have another job. I've been lucky enough that I've worked and always done this on the side, even at the sacrifice of relationships and friends and other things I wanted to do because I needed to recap a terrible Pelicans game or you had to break down or worry about a free agent signing and be ready for that. I remember Greg Oden watch very freaking clearly and how that took up like two weeks of my life when, yeah, that's kind of sucks. And you want to do anything other than that. Um, but most importantly, so, you know, have some other income coming in. I've also been lucky enough that I've had my parents there, not that they're rich, but if I ever needed some help, they could at least provide it. I wasn't working two, three, four jobs just to pay for basic necessities. And so I had time to be able to do this. There's a lot of privilege that goes into being able to kind of work in this industry. There's a reason why you see it dominated by white males for a reason. Um, so if you can have all of that, it's great. But Look, you've, you've got to write. I had someone recently ask me about like, how do you get in this? I'm like, are you writing anywhere? Is your work out there? And it doesn't sound like the answer was yes. And if you're not doing that, how do people know kind of who you are and why should they trust you? And so establishing that hard kind of work ethic of putting out regular content, people develop habits. They develop reading habits. They develop listening habits. Really spend a lot of time figuring out who your audience is and how do you best fit into your audience's life. Most of you listen to the show on your commute to work or in the morning. I literally have analytics of when the show is listened to the most. I try and make sure the podcast is ready for those times so that the mo more people listen to it. If I miss a day or if it comes to say the show comes out at 11 instead of two in the morning, you've missed that morning rush hour and it kind of hurts you. Now people are out of the habit of listening to you. Are they going to listen tomorrow? And it's a big question. So consistently just doing what you need to do. The bare minimum of putting out content is important. Try and find a different voice too. try and not be exactly what is out there with everyone else. It's cliche. Unless you're just that much better than them, try and find the things that are really interesting and try and, you know, and that aren't being covered and fill those gaps. Is it deep salary cap analysis like it was for a lot of us in the beginning? Is it film breakdown and breaking down what plays are going on, what players are good at, what they're not? Is it um, draft coverage and talking about draft prospects? That's something I'm not great at that I've been trying to get, but there's a reason I follow these draft experts because. They really know their stuff. You can tell they know their stuff. And so getting into that is important too. Um, so all of that, I think, is how you try and be somewhat successful at this. But look, this is, I mean this in all honesty, it's not, you know, if you want to take your shot and go for it, go for it. This is not an industry or something where you make a whole hell of a lot of money, at least in terms of being a writer. Twitter and all those followers you can get on there are great, but that doesn't pay you. And so you have seen me not use Twitter as much because frankly, it doesn't accomplish what I'm looking for it to accomplish. If I tweet out my whole show, you're not going to listen to the show, right? So I've been kind of quiet on there. So that's kind of a lot of some of the things I've seen in this. It's, it's not an easy way to make your mark, but through building your audience and engaging with your audience and doing it consistently is really, really important. Not talking down to them, not trying to act like you're better than them. I think all of that stuff plays into there and practicing a lot of gratitude. I thank you all a lot for listening because I truly mean it. Time is the one thing you can't get back of anymore. And you're choosing to spend some of your time here with me today listening to this show. 
That means a lot. Like that is awesome that you're, that you want to do that with me versus anything else you could be doing it with. And so kind of realizing that and tapping into that, I think is a great way to be successful and build an audience with it. But you know, just the number one thing is like work hard and be willing to hustle and know it's a grind and it is not easy. I worked for years, not making money. That's my first year of writing about the team. I don't even think 50 people were reading any article that I wrote about the team. And it takes a long, long time to try and build up uh, to where you want to be. And it's a slog, but people are willing to be helpful. Tweeting your articles at people is not always great. If you can come in with a hook of why I should read it, that's a little bit more important. It's a time thing for me. I just don't have it throughout the day. I'd love to read more than I actually do. But if you're like, hey, I saw this thing. It's kind of interesting. Um, it ties into something you were saying before. I'm likely much more inclined to read it than before. And I think that's a good way to network with people and to start building your audience if it gets shared and kind of tapping into others' social media networks. So that's my story. That's some advice I have. I've been getting this question a lot lately, and I think more and more people are looking to get into this. It's a slog. It's not hard. You can definitely do it though. Please reach out if you have any questions um, or want some advice or just to hear more specifics about the story. Maybe we'll do kind of a follow-up to this with some of it later on um, in the season at some point when things slow down a little bit. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans, different edition of Locked on Pelicans today. We'll be back to the usual stuff tomorrow. So thank you all very much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.